chapter twenty two of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter twenty two narrative continued red gauntlet's first course was to the chamber of his nephew he unlocked the door entered the apartment and asked what he wanted that he made so much noise i want my liberty said darcy who had wrought himself up to a pitch of passion in which his uncle's wrath had lost its terrors i desire my liberty and to be assured of the safety of my beloved friend allan fairford whose voice i heard but now your liberty shall be your own within half an hour from this period your friend shall be also set at freedom in due time and you yourself be permitted to have access to his place of confinement this does not satisfy me said darcy i must see my friend instantly he is here and he is here endangered on my account only i have heard violent exclamations the clash of swords you will gain no point with me unless i have ocular demonstration of his safety arthur dearest nephew answered redgauntlet drive me not mad thine own fate that of thy house that of thousands that of britain herself are at this moment in the scales and you are only occupied about the safety of a poor insignificant pettifogger he has sustained injury at your hands then said darcy fiercely i know he has but if so not even our relationship shall protect you peace ungrateful and obstinate fool said redgauntlet yet stay will you be satisfied if you see this allan fairford the bundle of bombazine this precious friend of yours well and sound will you i say be satisfied with seeing him in perfect safety without attempting to speak to or converse with him darcy signified his assent take hold of my arm then said redgauntlet and do you niece lilius take the other and beware sir arthur how you bear yourself darcy was compelled to acquiesce sufficiently aware that his uncle would permit him no interview with a friend whose influence would certainly be used against his present earnest wishes and in some measure contented with the assurance of fairford's personal safety redgauntlet led them through one or two passages for the house as we have before said was very irregular and built at different times until they entered an apartment where a man with shouldered carabin kept watch at the door but readily turned the key for their reception in the room they found allan fairford and the quaker apparently in deep conversation with each other they looked up as redgauntlet and his party entered and allan pulled off his hat and made a profound reverence which the young lady who recognized him though masked as she was 
he could not know her returned with some embarrassment arising probably from the recollection of the bold step she had taken in visiting him darcy longed to speak but dared not his uncle only said gentlemen i know you are as anxious on mr darcy latimer's account as he is upon yours i am commissioned by him to inform you that he is as well as you are i trust you will all meet soon meantime although i cannot suffer you to be at large you shall be as well treated as is possible under your temporary confinement he passed on without pausing to hear the answers which the lawyer and the quaker were hastening to prefer and only waving his hand by way of adieu made his exit with the real and the seeming lady whom he had under his charge through a door at the upper end of the apartment which was fastened and guarded like that by which they entered red gauntlet next led the way into a very small room adjoining which but divided by a partition was one of apparently larger dimensions for they heard the trampling of the heavy boots of the period as if several persons were walking to and fro and conversing in low and anxious whispers here said red gauntlet to his nephew as he disencumbered him from the riding-skirt and the mask i restore you to yourself and trust you will lay aside all effeminate thoughts with this feminine dress do not blush at having worn a disguise to which kings and heroes have been reduced it is when female craft or female cowardice find their way into a manly bosom that he who entertains these sentiments should take eternal shame to himself for thus having resembled womankind follow me while lilius remains here i will introduce you to those whom i hope to see associated with you in the most glorious cause that hand ever drew sword in darcy paused uncle he said my person is in your hands but remember my will is my own i will not be hurried into any resolution of importance remember what i have already said what i now repeat that i will take no step of importance but upon conviction but canst thou be convinced thou foolish boy without hearing and understanding the grounds on which we act so saying he took darcy by the arm and walked with him to the next room a large apartment partly filled with miscellaneous articles of commerce chiefly connected with contraband trade where among bales and barrels sat or walked to and fro several gentlemen whose manners and looks seemed superior to the plain riding-dresses which they wore there was a grave and stern anxiety upon their countenances when on red gauntlet's entrance they drew from their separate coteries into one group around him and saluted him with a formality which had something in it of ominous melancholy as darcy looked around the circle he thought he could discern in it 
few traces of that adventurous hope which urges men upon desperate enterprises and began to believe that the conspiracy would dissolve of itself without the necessity of his placing himself in direct opposition to so violent a character as his uncle and incurring the hazard with which such opposition must be attended mr redgauntlet however did not or would not see any such marks of depression of spirit amongst his coadjutors but met them with cheerful countenance and a warm greeting of welcome happy to meet you here my lord he said bowing low to a slender young man i trust you come with the pledges of your noble father of b and all that royal house sir richard what news in the west i am told you had two hundred men on foot to have joined when the fatal retreat from derby was commenced when the white standard is again displayed it shall not be turned back so easily either by the force of its enemies or the falsehood of its friends dr grumball i bow to the representative of oxford the mother of learning and loyalty penguinian you cornish cuff has this good wind blown you north ah my brave cambro britons when was wales last in the race of honour such and such like compliments he dealt around which were in general answered by silent bows but when he saluted one of his own countrymen by the name of mackellar and greeted maxwell of summertrees by that of pate in peril the latter replied that if pate were not a fool he would be pate in safety and the former a thin old gentleman in tarnished embroidery said bluntly i troth red gauntlet i am here just like yourself i have little to lose they that took my land the last time may take my life this and that is all i care about it the english gentlemen who were still in possession of their paternal estates looked doubtfully on each other and there was something whispered among them of the fox which had lost its tail red gauntlet hastened to address them i think my lords and gentlemen he said that i can account for something like sadness which has crept upon an assembly gathered together for so noble a purpose our numbers seem when thus assembled too small and inconsiderable to shake the firm-seated usurpation of a half-century but do not count us by what we are in thew and muscle but by what our summons can do among our countrymen in this small party are those who have power to raise battalions and those who have wealth to pay them and do not believe our friends who are absent are cold or indifferent to the cause let us once light the signal and it will be hailed by all who retain love for the stuart and by all a more numerous body who hate the elector here i have letters from sir richard glendale interrupted the speaker we all confide red gauntlet in your valour and skill 
we admire your perseverance and probably nothing short of your strenuous exertions and the emulation awakened by your noble and disinterested conduct could have brought so many of us the scattered remnant of a disheartened party to meet together once again in solemn consultation for i take it gentlemen he said looking round this is only a consultation nothing more said the young lord nothing more said dr grumball shaking his large academical peruke and only a consultation was echoed by the others red gauntlet bit his lip i had hopes he said that the discourses i have held with most of you from time to time had ripened into more maturity than your words imply and that we were here to execute as well as to deliberate and for this we stand prepared i can raise five hundred men with my whistle five hundred men said one of the welch squires god bless us and pray you what could five hundred men do all that the priming does for the cannon mr meredith answered redgauntlet it will enable us to seize carlyle and you know what our friends have engaged for in that case yes but said the young nobleman you must not hurry us on too fast mr redgauntlet we are all i believe as sincere and true-hearted in this business as you are but we will not be driven forward blindfold we owe caution to ourselves and our families as well as to those whom we are empowered to represent on this occasion who hurries you my lord who is it that would drive this meeting forward blindfold i do not understand your lordship said redgauntlet nay said sir richard glendale at least do not let us fall under our old reproach of disagreeing among ourselves what my lord means redgauntlet is that we have this morning heard it is uncertain whether you could even bring that body of men whom you count upon your countryman mr mcculler seemed just before you came in to doubt whether your people would rise in any force unless you could produce the authority of your nephew i might ask said redgauntlet what right mcculler or any one has to doubt my being able to accomplish what i stand pledged for but our hopes consist in our unity here stands my nephew gentlemen i present to you my kinsman sir arthur darcy redgauntlet of that ilk gentlemen said darcy with a throbbing bosom for he felt the crisis a very painful one allow me to say that i suspend expressing my sentiments on the important subject under discussion until i have heard those of the present meeting proceed in your deliberations gentlemen said redgauntlet i will show my nephew such reasons for acquiescing in the result as will entirely remove any scruples which may hang around his mind dr grumball now coughed shook his ambrosial curls and addressed the assembly 
the principles of oxford he said are well understood since she was the last to resign herself to the arch usurper since she has condemned by her sovereign authority the blasphemous atheistical and anarchical tenants of locke and other deluders of the public mind oxford will give men money and countenance to the cause of the rightful monarch but we have been often deluded by foreign powers who have availed themselves of our zeal to stir up civil dissensions in britain not for the advantage of our blessed though banished monarch but to stir up disturbances by which they might profit while we their tools are sure to be ruined oxford therefore will not rise unless our sovereign comes in person to claim our allegiance in which case god forbid we should refuse him our best obedience it is a very good advice said mr meredith in troth said sir richard glendale it is the very keystone of our enterprise and the only condition upon which i myself and others could ever have dreamt of taking up arms no insurrection which has not charles edward himself at its head will ever last longer than till a single foot company of redcoats march to disperse it this is my own opinion and that of all my family said the young nobleman already mentioned and i own i am somewhat surprised at being summoned to attend a dangerous rendezvous such as this before something certain could have been stated to us on this most important preliminary point pardon me my lord said redgauntlet i have not been so unjust either to myself or my friends i had no means of communicating to our distant confederates without the greatest risk of discovery what is known to some of my honourable friends as courageous and as resolved as when twenty years since he threw himself into the wilds of moidart charles edward has instantly complied with the wishes of his faithful subject charles edward is in this country charles edward is in this house charles edward waits but your present decision to receive the homage of those who have ever called themselves his loyal liegemen he that would now turn his coat and change his note must do so under the eye of his sovereign there was a deep pause those among the conspirators whom mere habit or a desire of preserving consistency had engaged in the affair now saw with terror their retreat cut off and others who at a distance had regarded the proposed enterprise as hopeful trembled when the moment of actually embarking in it was thus unexpectedly and almost inevitably precipitated how now my lords and gentlemen said redgauntlet is it delight and rapture that keep you thus silent where are the eager welcomes that should be paid to your rightful king who a second time confides his person to the care of his subjects undeterred 
by the hair-breadth escapes and severe privations of his former expedition i hope there is no gentleman here that is not ready to redeem in his prince's presence the pledge of fidelity which he offered in his absence i at least said the young nobleman resolutely and laying his hand on his sword will not be that coward if charles is come to these shores i will be the first to give him welcome and to devote my life and fortune to his service before god said mr meredith i do not see that mr redgauntlet has left us anything else to do stay said summertrees there is yet one other question has he brought any of those irish reparees with him who broke the neck of our last glorious affair not a man of them said redgauntlet i trust said dr grumball that there are no catholic priests in his company i would not intrude on the private conscience of my sovereign but as an unworthy son of the church of england it is my duty to consider her security not a popish dog or cat is there to bark or mew about his majesty said redgauntlet old shaftesbury himself could not wish a prince's person more secure from popery which may not be the worst religion in the world notwithstanding any more doubts gentlemen can no more plausible reasons be discovered for postponing the payment of our duty and discharge of our oaths and engagements meantime your king waits your declaration by my faith he hath but a frozen reception red gauntlet said sir richard glendale calmly your reproaches shall not goad me into anything of which my reason disapproves that i respect my engagement as much as you do is evident since i am here ready to support it with the best blood in my veins but has the king really come hither entirely unattended he has no man with him but young as aide-de-camp and a single valet de chamber no man but red gauntlet as you are a gentleman has he no woman with him red gauntlet cast his eyes on the ground and replied i am sorry to say he has the company looked at each other and remained silent for a moment at length sir richard proceeded i need not repeat to you mr red gauntlet what is the well-grounded opinion of his majesty's friends concerning that most unhappy connection there is but one sense and feeling among us upon the subject i must conclude that our humble remonstrances were communicated by you sir to the king in the same strong terms in which they were couched replied red gauntlet i love his majesty's cause more than i fear his displeasure but apparently our humble expostulation has produced no effect this lady who has crept into his bosom has a sister in the elector of hanover's court and yet we are well assured that our most private communication is placed in her keeping varium et mutabile semper femina said dr grumball she puts his secrets into her work-bag 
said maxwell and out they fly whenever she opens it if i must hang i would wish it to be in somewhat a better rope than the string of a lady's hussy are you too turning dastard maxwell said redgauntlet in a whisper not i said maxwell let us fight for it and let them win and wear us but to be betrayed by a brimstone like that be temperate gentlemen said redgauntlet the foible of which you complain so heavily has always been that of kings and heroes which i feel strongly confident the king will surmount upon the humble entreaty of his best servants and when he sees them ready to peril their all in his cause upon the slight condition of his resigning the society of a female favourite of whom i have seen reason to think he hath been himself for some time wearied but let us not press upon him rashly with our well-meant zeal he has a princely will as becomes his princely birth and we gentlemen who are royalists should be the last to take advantage of circumstances to limit its exercise i am as much surprised and hurt as you can be to find that he has made her the companion of this journey increasing every chance of treachery and detection but do not let us insist upon a sacrifice so humiliating while he has scarce placed a foot upon the beach of his kingdom let us act generously by our sovereign and when we have shown what we will do for him we shall be able with better face to state what it is we expect him to concede indeed i think it is but a pity said mackellar when so many pretty gentlemen are got together that they should part without the flash of a sword among them i should be of that gentleman's opinion said lord had i nothing to lose but my life but i frankly own that the conditions on which our family agreed to join having been in this instance left unfulfilled i will not peril the whole fortunes of our house on the doubtful fidelity of an artful woman i am sorry to see your lordship said redgauntlet take a course which is more likely to secure your house's wealth than to augment its honours how am i to understand your language sir said the young nobleman haughtily nay gentlemen said dr grumball interposing do not let friends quarrel we are all zealous for the cause but truly although i know the license claimed by the great in such matters and can i hope make due allowance there is i may say an indecorum in a prince who comes to claim the allegiance of the church of england arriving on such an errand with such a companion si non cast cate tamen i wonder how the church of england came to be so heartily attached to his merry old namesake said redgauntlet sir richard glendale then took up the question as one whose authority and experience gave him right to speak with much weight we have no leisure for hesitation he said it is full time 
that we decide what course we are to hold i feel as much as you mr redgauntlet the delicacy of capitulating with our sovereign in this present condition but i must also think of the total ruin of the cause the confiscation and bloodshed which will take place among his adherents and all through the infatuation with which he adheres to a woman who is the pensionary of the present minister as she was for years sir robert walpole's let his majesty send her back to the continent and the sword on which i now lay my hand shall instantly be unsheathed and i trust many hundred others at the same moment the other persons present testified their unanimous acquiescence in what sir richard glendale had said i see you have taken your resolutions gentlemen said redgauntlet unwisely i think because i believe that by softer and more generous proceedings you would have been more likely to carry a point which i think as desirable as you do but what is to be done if charles should refuse with the inflexibility of his grandfather to comply with this request of yours do you mean to abandon him to his fate god forbid said sir richard hastily and god forgive you mr redgauntlet for breathing such a thought no i for one will with all duty and humility see him safe back to his vessel and defend him with my life against whosoever shall assail him but when i have seen his sails spread my next act will be to secure if i can my own safety by retiring to my house or if i find our engagement as is too probable has taken wind by surrendering myself to the next justice of peace and giving security that hereafter i shall live quiet and submit to the ruling powers again the rest of the persons present intimated their agreement in opinion with the speaker well gentlemen said redgauntlet it is not for me to oppose the opinion of every one and i must do you the justice to say that the king has in the present instance neglected a condition of your agreement which was laid before him in very distinct terms the question now is who is to acquaint him with the result of this conference for i presume you would not wait on him in a body to make the proposal that he should dismiss a person from his family as the price of your allegiance i think mr redgauntlet should make the explanation said lord as he has doubtless done justice to our remonstrances by communicating them to the king no one can with such propriety and force state the natural and inevitable consequence of their being neglected now i think said redgauntlet that those who make the objection should state it for i am confident the king will hardly believe on less authority than that of the heir of the loyal house of b that he is the first to seek an evasion of his pledge to join him an evasion sir repeated lord 
fiercely i have borne too much from you already and this i will not endure favour me with your company to the downs red gauntlet laughed scornfully and was about to follow the fiery young man when sir richard again interposed are we to exhibit he said the last symptoms of the dissolution of our party by turning our swords against each other be patient lord in such conferences as this much must pass unquestioned which might brook challenge elsewhere there is a privilege of party as of parliament men cannot in emergency stand upon picking phrases gentlemen if you will extend your confidence in me so far i will wait upon his majesty and i hope my lord and mr redgauntlet will accompany me i trust the explanation of this unpleasant matter will prove entirely satisfactory and that we will find ourselves at liberty to render our homage to our sovereign without reserve when i for one will be the first to peril all in his just quarrel redgauntlet at once stepped forward my lord he said if my zeal made me say anything in the slightest degree offensive i wish it unsaid and ask your pardon a gentleman can do no more i could not have asked mr redgauntlet to do so much said the young nobleman willingly accepting the hand which redgauntlet offered i know no man living from whom i could take so much reproof without a sense of degradation as from himself let me then hope my lord that you will go with sir richard and me to the presence your warm blood will heat our zeal our colder resolves will temper yours the young lord smiled and shook his head alas mr redgauntlet he said i am ashamed to say that in zeal you surpass us all but i will not refuse this mission provided you will permit sir arthur your nephew also to accompany us my nephew said redgauntlet and seemed to hesitate then added most certainly i trust he said looking at darcy he will bring to his prince's presence such sentiments as fit the occasion it seemed however to darcy that his uncle would rather have left him behind had he not feared that he might in that case have been influenced by or might perhaps himself influence the unresolved confederates with whom he must have associated during his absence i will go said redgauntlet and request admission in a moment after he returned and without speaking motioned for the young nobleman to advance he did so followed by sir richard glendale and darcy redgauntlet himself bringing up the rear a short passage and a few steps brought them to the door of the temporary presence chamber in which the royal wanderer was to receive their homage it was the upper loft of one of those cottages which made additions to the old inn poorly furnished dusty and in disorder for rash as the enterprise might be considered they had been still careful not to draw the attention of strangers by any particular attentions 
to the personal accommodation of the prince he was seated when the deputies as they might be termed of his remaining adherents entered and as he rose and came forward and bowed in acceptance of their salutation it was with a dignified courtesy which at once supplied whatever was deficient in external pomp and converted the wretched garret into a saloon worthy of the occasion it is needless to add that he was the same personage already introduced in the character of father buenaventure by which name he was distinguished at fair ladies his dress was not different from what he then wore excepting that he had a loose riding-coat of camlet under which he carried an efficient cut-and-thrust sword instead of his walking rapier and also a pair of pistols red gauntlet presented to him successively the young lord and his kinsman sir arthur darcy redgauntlet who trembled as bowing and kissing his hand he found himself surprised into what might be construed an act of high treason which yet he saw no safe means to avoid sir richard glendale seemed personally known to charles edward who received him with a mixture of dignity and affection and seemed to sympathize with the tears which rushed into that gentleman's eyes as he bade his majesty welcome to his native kingdom yes my good sir richard said the unfortunate prince in a tone melancholy yet resolved charles edward is with his faithful friends once more not perhaps with his former gay hopes which undervalued danger but with the same determined contempt of the worst which can befall him in claiming his own rights and those of his country i rejoice sire and yet alas i must also grieve to see you once more on the british shores said sir richard glendale and stopped short a tumult of contradictory feelings preventing his further utterance it is the call of my faithful and suffering people which alone could have induced me to take once more the sword in my hand for my own part sir richard when i have reflected how many of my loyal and devoted friends perished by the sword and by proscription or died indigent and neglected in a foreign land i have often sworn that no view to my personal aggrandizement should again induce me to agitate a title which has cost my followers so dear but since so many men of worth and honour conceive the cause of england and scotland to be linked with that of charles stuart i must follow their brave example and laying aside all other considerations once more stand forward as their deliverer i am however come hither upon your invitation and as you are so completely acquainted with circumstances to which my absence must necessarily have rendered me a stranger i must be a mere tool in the hands of my friends i know well i never can refer myself implicitly 
to more loyal hearts or wiser heads than harry's redgauntlet and sir richard glendale give me your advice then how we are to proceed and decide upon the fate of charles edward redgauntlet looked at sir richard as if to say can you press any additional or unpleasant condition at a moment like this and the other shook his head and looked down as if his resolution was unaltered and yet as feeling all the delicacy of the situation there was a silence which was broken by the unfortunate representative of an unhappy dynasty with some appearance of irritation this is strange gentlemen he said you have sent for me from the bosom of my family to head an adventure of doubt and danger and when i come your own minds seemed to be still irresolute i had not expected this on the part of two such men for me sire said redgauntlet the steel of my sword is not truer than the temper of my mind my lord and mine are equally so said sir richard but you had in charge mr redgauntlet to convey our request to his majesty coupled with certain conditions and i discharged my duty to his majesty and to you said redgauntlet i looked at no condition gentlemen said the king with dignity save that which called me here to assert my rights in person that i have fulfilled at no common risk here i stand to keep my word and i expect of you to be true to yours there was or should have been something more than that in our proposal please your majesty said sir richard there was a condition annexed to it i saw it not said charles interrupting him out of tenderness towards the noble hearts of whom i think so highly i would neither see nor read anything which could lessen them in my love and my esteem conditions can have no part betwixt prince and subject sire said redgauntlet kneeling on one knee i see from sir richard's countenance he deems it my fault that your majesty seems ignorant of what your subjects desired that i should communicate to your majesty for heaven's sake for the sake of all my past services and sufferings leave not such a stain upon my honour the note number d of which this is a copy referred to the painful subject to which sir richard again directs your attention you press upon me gentlemen said the prince colouring highly recollections which as i hold them most alien to your character i would willingly have banished from my memory i did not suppose that my loyal subjects would think so poorly of me as to use my depressed circumstances as a reason for forcing themselves into my domestic privacies and stipulating arrangements with their king regarding manners in which the meanest minds claim the privilege of thinking for themselves in affairs of state and public policy i will ever be guided as becomes a prince by the advice of my wisest counsellors in those which regard my private affections and my domestic arrangements 
i claim the same freedom of will which i allow to all my subjects and without which a crown were less worth wearing than a beggar's bonnet may it please your majesty said sir richard glendale i see it must be my lot to speak unwilling truths but believe me i do so with as much profound respect as deep regret it is true we have called you to head a mighty undertaking and that your majesty preferring honour to safety and the love of your country to your own ease has condescended to become our leader but we also pointed out as a necessary and indispensable preparatory step to the achievement of our purpose and i must say as a positive condition of our engaging in it that an individual supposed i presume not to guess how truly to have your majesty's more intimate confidence and believed i will not say on absolute proof but upon the most pregnant suspicion to be capable of betraying that confidence to the elector of hanover should be removed from your royal household and society this is too insolent sir richard said charles edward have you inveigled me into your power to bait me in this unseemly manner and you red gauntlet why did you suffer matters to come to such a point as this without making me more distinctly aware what insults were to be practised on me my gracious prince said red gauntlet i am so far to blame in this that i did not think so slight an impediment as that of a woman's society could have really interrupted an undertaking of this magnitude i am a plain man sire and speak but bluntly i could not have dreamt but what within the first five minutes of this interview either sir richard and his friends would have ceased to insist upon a condition so ungrateful to your majesty or that your majesty would have sacrificed this unhappy attachment to the sound advice or even to the over-anxious suspicions of so many faithful subjects i saw no entanglement in such a difficulty which on either side might not have been broken through like a cobweb you were mistaken sir said charles edward entirely mistaken as much so as you are at this moment when you think in your heart my refusal to comply with this insolent proposition is dictated by a childish and romantic passion for an individual i tell you sir i could part with that person to-morrow without an instant's regret that i have had thoughts of dismissing her from my court for reasons known to myself but that i will never betray my rights as a sovereign and a man by taking this step to secure the favour of any one or to purchase that allegiance which if you owe it to me at all is due to me as my birthright i am sorry for this said red gauntlet i hope both your majesty 
and sir richard will reconsider your resolutions or forbear this discussion in a conjuncture so pressing i trust your majesty will recollect that you are on hostile ground that our preparations cannot have so far escaped notice as to permit us now with safety to retreat from our purpose insomuch that it is with the deepest anxiety of heart i foresee even danger to your own royal person unless you can generously give your subjects the satisfaction which sir richard seems to think they are obstinate in demanding and deep indeed your anxiety ought to be said the prince is it in these circumstances of personal danger in which you expect to overcome a resolution which is founded on a sense of what is due to me as a man or a prince if the axe and scaffold were ready before the windows of whitehall i would rather tread the same path with my great-grandfather than concede the slightest point in which my honour is concerned he spoke these words with a determined accent and looked around him on the company all of whom excepting darcy who saw he thought a fair period to a most perilous enterprise seemed in deep anxiety and confusion at length sir richard spoke in a solemn and melancholy tone if the safety he said of poor richard glendale were alone concerned in this matter i have never valued my life enough to weigh it against the slightest point of your majesty's service but i am only a messenger a commissioner who must execute my trust and upon whom a thousand voices will cry curse and woe if i do it not with fidelity all of your adherents even redgauntlet himself see certain ruin to this enterprise the greatest danger to your majesty's person the utter destruction of all your party and friends if they insist not on the point which unfortunately your majesty is so unwilling to concede i speak it with a heart full of anguish with a tongue unable to utter my emotions but it must be spoken the fatal truth that if your royal goodness cannot yield to us a boon which we hold necessary to our security and your own your majesty with one word disarms ten thousand men ready to draw their swords in your behalf or to speak yet more plainly you annihilate even the semblance of a royal party in great britain and why do you not add said the prince scornfully that the men who have been ready to assume arms in my behalf will atone for their treason to the elector by delivering me up to the fate for which so many proclamations have destined me carry my head to st james's gentlemen you will do a more acceptable and a more honourable action than having inveigled me into a situation which places me so completely in your power to dishonour yourselves by propositions which dishonour me my god sire exclaimed sir richard clasping his hands together in impatience of what great and inexpiable crime 
can your majesty's ancestors have been guilty that they have been punished by the infliction of judicial blindness on their whole generation come my lord we must to our friends by your leave sir richard said the young nobleman not till we have learned what measures can be taken for his majesty's personal safety care not for me young man said charles edward when i was in the society of highland robbers and cattle drovers i was safer than i now hold myself among the representatives of the best blood in england farewell gentlemen i will shift for myself this must never be said redgauntlet let me that brought you to the point of danger at least provide for your safe retreat so saying he hastily left the apartment followed by his nephew the wanderer averting his eyes from lord and sir richard glendale threw himself into a seat at the upper end of the apartment while they in much anxiety stood together at a distance from him and conversed in whispers End of chapter twenty two